0: Good to be with you. It's a delight for Janie and I to be with you today, to worship with you. And I thank you for inviting me to speak this afternoon. Uh, And I hope that the lesson, my prayer is that the lesson will be beneficial to you. It will be to God's glory. I want you to know that I appreciate the work that you're doing here. We get uh, Grady's reports every month and uh, we're just excited. And I know you're excited about the opportunities that have opened to you here. Uh, I want you to know that we have you in our prayers as you continue this work. Uh, it's for the Lord, as you know, and it's to His glory, it's to the salvation of souls. And I uh, appreciate all the work that you're doing. It's good to meet Carl and Patricia Ballard and their family. I haven't met the boys yet, but or the children, but uh, I know that uh, the church here is, is glad to have you here. Grady and Aaron speaks highly of you and your work. And uh, appreciate the work, the good work that you are doing. You know, Jesus is our example. We strive to be like Him. And one area where we must strive to be like Jesus is that He always wanted to do the will of the Father. You know, that's why He came to this earth, was to do the Father's will. Now, I know we sing the song sometimes, uh, Why Did My Savior Come to Earth? And to the humble goal, The second verse says, Why did He drink the bitter cup of sorrow, pain, and woe? Why on the cross be lifted up? And the answer in the song is, Because He loved me so. And there's no question that Jesus came to this earth because of His love for me, His love for you. But we must not overlook the fact that He came and died upon the cross because... He was determined to do the will of the Father. I want to mention the Bible teaches that Jesus came because He loved us. Ephesians 5 and verse 2 teaches that. But He also teaches that He came to do the will of the Father. Just look with me. And the title of the lesson today is To Do the Will of the Father. And there are some passages that indicate that this is the reason that Jesus came to this earth. You remember in John 4, Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman, and she then returned to the city. And his disciples came and said, Rabbi, eat. And notice what Jesus said to his disciples. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me, and to finish his work. Also in John chapter 5 and verse 30, Jesus says, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Also in John chapter 6 and verse 38, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. And then of course the familiar passage in Matthew chapter 26, when Jesus was in the garden at Gethsemane, it says He went a little further and fell on His face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus dreaded the role of, that God had given Him to die on the cross. He did not want to go to the cross. Jesus is in anguish here as he is praying. Matter of fact, Matthew's account says that uh, where Jesus said to his disciples, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Now, I take that to mean that he was such an emotional state and such sorrow that it could have led to actual physical death. I have never been such in such sorrow, but Jesus is in such sorrow. Sorrow. In Luke's account, it says that in being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Luke twenty-two forty-four. Remember in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7, it says that when in the days of his flesh, when he had prayed and made supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. But why? It is the Father's will that He commit and complete this task. He is dedicated to completing the task of doing the Father's will. This is the degree to which He was committed to doing the Father's will. And the point we're making today is this. Jesus, just as Jesus was dedicated to doing the Father's will, we should be So dedicated. The first one I want to make is that to enter the kingdom of heaven, we must do the Father's will. And this is the passage that was read before us. Jesus said in verse 21 of Matthew 7, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. In order to enter the kingdom of heaven, we must do the will of the Father. But, how can we do the will of the Father unless we know what the will of the Father is? We cannot do it without knowing it. And I think this is suggested in the very next two verses of this passage when Jesus said, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in Your name, cast out demons in Your name, and done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to, you, to uh, declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You know, apparently these people thought they were doing the Father's will. But they were not. It seems that they did not know the Father's will. But why didn't they know the Father's will? Evidently they didn't have enough desire to know it by seeking for it. They had not sought the Father's will. And you know, there are many people today who are thinking that they are doing the will of the Father, they're serving the Lord, but they've never really sought to find out what the will of the Lord is, and they're doing things that are not according to the will of the Father. This is the one of the most frightening passages in Scripture, that there will be those who will stand before Christ in judgment and say, well, we did do your will. And Jesus will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from Me, you who practice lawlessness. If we're going to do the Father's will in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, we must know what the will of the Father is. This is the reason that we need to be reading and studying the Scriptures daily. This is how we learn to know the will of the Father. His will is revealed in these words, the words of the Bible. Words are conveyors of thought. And these words are the means by which God has chosen to convey His mind, His will unto us. And if we're ever going to know what His will is, it's going to be as a result of reading these Scriptures. Now, I think that reading through the Bible every year is a good practice. And I know that you're involved in that, and you have a Bible reading schedule where you read maybe a certain amount of chapters every day in order to get through the Bible in the year. And I encourage that and encourage you to complete that. But I tell you what can happen sometimes, because we have a certain schedule that we have to read, that here we have so many chapters that I need to read this day, that our purpose in reading is just to fulfill that obligation. And we read the passage, but maybe after we have read it, we haven't really understood what we have read. And we could read through the whole Bible in the year and never really understand what we have read. What I'm saying is when you read scripture, read with the purpose, not just fulfilling an obligation or a goal that you have set, but read it for the purpose of understanding. And I understand that as you're reading a daily reading, that you're not going to understand everything that you're reading and you're not expected to. But read it for the purpose. What can I get out of this? What is this word saying to me? And then maybe certain questions that may come to your mind. Maybe later you can come back and study that in more detail. There was a lady that read through the scriptures through the year. And she says, I would read it for the purpose of trying to find out is there anything that God is saying that He wants me to do that I am not doing. And that was her purpose in reading. To try to find out what is it actually saying to me. And when we read it with that purpose in mind, then we can come to an understanding of His will. You remember in Acts chapter 17 when Paul and Silas came to Berea? It says that the people of Berea were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Can you see the uh, Bereans... When Paul would preach and he would give a passage of Scripture, and this would be from the Old Testament Scriptures, and as I envision it here, Paul is giving evidence that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Christ to come, and these prophets who were prophesying of the coming of the Messiah were fulfilled in Jesus, and uh, they would then read those Scriptures, and they, what is it actually saying? Is this really what this is saying? And they were reading it for the purpose of learning what the passage is actually teaching to see if what Paul was saying was so or not. That's how we read the Scriptures. We cannot do the will of the Father unless we know the will of the Father. And here's the key. As Jesus said in John chapter 7 and verse 17, If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine whether I, it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. If anyone wills to do his will. There's the key. We need to have the will, the desire to do the will of the Father. And when I read Scripture, I'll know the Lord will make sure that we will come to an understanding of His will. And then we can put it into practice within our lives. Let me mention another point that I want to make here concerning doing the will of the Father. Is we need to ask the question, why should we do the will of the Father? Why should we seek and do the will of the Father. Well, let's ask this question. Why did Jesus do the Father's will? Look at what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 31. He said to His disciples, This is the night before He's crucified, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave Me commandments, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. Why did Jesus do what the Lord, what the Father commanded Him to do? Well, it's because He loved the Father. He loved the Father. And to what degree did Jesus love the Father? To what degree did He do the Father's will? To what degree did He show His love for the Father? Well, we were just reminded of that in our partaking of the Lord's Supper. And Dave gave a uh, rendition of things that Jesus went through. And did those things go through your mind as you ate the bread and drank the cup? Did you think about how he was spat upon? How others struck him with the palms of their hands when he was before Caiaphas? Did you think about how before Pilate, Pilate then had him scourged and no doubt was inflicted with many stripes and left his body bloody, bruised and mangled. Did you think about how the soldiers clothed Jesus with a purple robe and they twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head and began to salute him? Hail, King of the Jews! Then they struck him on the head with a reed and spat on him, bowing the knee and they worshipped him, meaning they mocked him? Did you think about how they nailed his hands and feet to the cross and how he hung there for hours in excruciating pain? Did you hear those words? My Father, "Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Did you think about those things? Why did Jesus allow this to happen? You know, Jesus could have cried out to the Father and the Father would have sent 12 legions of angels at any moment to deliver Him from all of this. Why? Because He loved the Father. He was determined to do the will of the Father. And let me ask this. If we love the Father, to what degree will we do the Father's will. Jesus is our example. Now, I know the Bible teaches to what extent we need to do the will of the Father. And He said this to the church in Smyrna, in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, in the latter part of that verse. And this is from the English Standard Version. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. The American Standard also translates it that way. Be faithful unto death. And I take that to mean to be faithful to the point of death, to the point of dying. In other words, we would die to do the Father's will. And it may be we would say here this morning, yes, that's the extent, that's the degree to which I would show my love to the Father. I would die for Him. But let me ask this question. If we're not willing to do the lesser things in service to God, what makes us think that we would then die for Him And there are many examples that we could give of things that we encounter in our lives. Here, uh, I'm working for an employer. My boss tells me to tell someone something that is not true. He wants me to lie for him. And I know if I don't lie for him, then I'll probably be fired from my job. And there's not another one that's available for me. Well, if I am not willing to lose my job for the Lord, what makes me think that I would die for Him? Or here's a person that is involved in some sin within his life. And I'm not talking about sin where I'm overcome uh, in a trespass. uh, There's a temptation that hits me and I give in to the temptation. And then I, with a contrite heart, go to God in prayer, asking Him to forgive me of my sins. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the one who commits a sin, but he continues in that sin. He doesn't give it up, and he knows it's wrong, but he continues to do those things that he knows to be wrong. Now, if he's not willing to struggle to give up that sin within his life, what makes him think that he would then die for the Lord? And it may be in the area of sins of omission. You know, sometimes we make a distinction between Sins of commission and sins of omission. Sins of commission are sins where we do those things that God has told us not to do. There are also sins of omission where we fail to do the things that God has told us to do. And I know I need to be reading my Bible regularly. I know in order for me to learn the will of the Father, I need to be reading. But I don't. I may watch television two, three, four hours an evening. And I have opportunity to read, but I don't read the Word of God. I know that's something I ought to do, but I don't do it. Or here's a person that I need to talk to about Jesus, a fellow worker or a neighbor. And I know that if I bring Jesus up and I try to share the Gospel with Him, that it's going to affect my relationship. I may lose a friend. I know I'll, I need to be talking to him about Jesus, but I don't. What makes me think that if I don't read my Bible and I don't share the gospel with others, what makes it think that I would die for him? See, if I'm not willing to do the lesser things in life to serve my Lord, what makes me think that I would then die for my Lord? Jesus is our example. How, to what extent did he show his love for the Father to do the will of the Father? He gave his life. And that's what the Lord says in 1 John 5 and verse 3. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. But I'll tell you something else. A reason why we obey the Father and do His will is because we fear Him. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verses 13 and 14 says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Fear God and keep His commandments. What does it mean to fear God? The way I've described it is kind of the relationship that I had with my my father. Now I understand there's not a a complete parallel here, but uh, my dad was a disciplinarian. And if we disobeyed, then He would uh, punish us. And there would be times that He would, what we call today, spanking. We called it then, He'd whip us. And He would give us a whipping that we didn't want. Uh matter of fact, the Bible even teaches that. Proverbs 13, verse 24. He who spares his rod hates his son. And he who loves him disciplines him promptly. And my father lived by that. And I'm glad he did. I am who I am today because of the discipline that my father gave me. But I didn't always walk around my father just fearing his presence. He was not an abuser. I didn't fear or was afraid of him being around me because I knew he loved me. I knew he cared for me. But I knew this, that if I stepped out of line and I disobeyed, that there was going to be punishment. And what that built within me is a respect for him. A certain reverence. And that's what God expects us to have for Him. It's a reverential fear. A respect. Not that we're always dreading His presence. But this fear of God does include a fear of His punishment. You know, the Bible teaches in Hebrews 12, verses 28 and 29, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence, and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire he's talking about judgment you can't read scripture without reading about God's judgment upon evildoers Uh, God poured out his wrath upon many who refused to repent and come to him my point is this that is a reason that we obey him it's not that alone but it is a reason. It's because we reverence Him. We respect Him. We know that if we do not uh, obey Him, then we will be punished. And that is a reason that we obey. We do the will of the Father because we love Him and because we fear Him. This is an example of one who did not love Him and fear Him. In 2 Samuel chapter 3, this is... Uh, this is after king Saul had died and Abner who is the commander of Saul's army wanted Ishbosheth to be the king and he set up Ishbosheth Abner set up Ishbosheth to be the king over Israel uh, over a section of Israel he uh, uh, David had become king in Hebron over on, only a part of Israel but Abner wanted Ishbosheth to be king But then later there arose a conflict between Abner and Ish-bosheth. And notice what Abner says to Ish-bosheth. This is in 2 Samuel 3, verses 9 and 10. Abner says, May God do so to Abner, and more also, if I do not do for David as the Lord has sworn to him, to transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul and set up the throne of David over Israel, and over Judah from Dan to Beersheba. Notice Abner says, If I do not do for David as the Lord has sworn to him. Abner knew all along that it was the Lord's will that David be king. Look with me also in verses 17 and 18. Now Abner had communicated with the elders of Israel saying, In time past you were seeking for David to be king over you. Now then, do it. For the Lord has spoken of David, saying, "By the hand of my servant David, I will save my people Israel from the hand of the Philistines and the hand of their enemies." Abner knew all along that it was the Lord's will that David be king. Why was he setting up Ishbosheth to be king? It's because he had no love for, no fear of God. And isn't don't you see that today? where so many people think they're serving the Lord, but they know that they're doing things that are not according to the will of the Father. They're just outright disobeying the Lord. Why? They have no love for, they have no fear of God. Those who love the Father and those who fear the Father are those who will obey the Father. They will seek the Father's will and strive to put it into practice within their lives. Well, one other point that I want to make before the lesson is closed, and that is the Father will reward those who do His will. You know, God rewarded Jesus to do the will of the Father, uh, who did the will of the Father. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul talks about that we need to have the mind of Christ. We need to have the attitude that Christ had. The attitude that we're, we humble ourselves to submit to the Father. And he mentions that, in beginning with verse 5, he says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself... And became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And there's no one that has ever humbled himself from such a high state to such a low state. He was on equality with God. But he did not consider that as something to hold on to. And so he emptied himself. Gave that up in order to become a bondservant. To be made in the likeness of man. Now He didn't give up his deity. But He gave up the glory that He had with the Father to become a bondservant, to become like a a man. And He humbled Himself even to the point of death, the death of the cross. He did the will of the Father, obeyed the Father even to the point of death, as we've already mentioned. But notice in verse 9, He says, Therefore. The New American Standard updated version says, For this reason. Because Jesus did that, therefore. God also has highly exalted Him and given Him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because Jesus did the will of the Father, God highly exalted Him gave Him a name which is above every name, such that every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that He is Lord. You know, in Revelation chapters 4 and 5, we have the curtain pulled back and we can have a glimpse of heaven and of the worship that takes place in heaven. And what you find in chapter 4 is God is on the throne And the 24 elders and the four living creatures are worshiping Him who sits on the throne who lives forever and ever. And then in chapter 5, we find that in the right hand of Him who sat on the throne is a scroll sealed with seven seals. No one in heaven and on earth or under the earth are able to open the scroll or to look at it. And John weeps. He weeps much. But one of the elders said to John in verse 5, Do not weep. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And then John looks. What does he see? He sees a lamb as though he had been slain. Then the lamb came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And notice what he says. Now... When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and Priest to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said amen and the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. Notice, not only is the Father worshiped but the lamb who was slain for the redemption of man is worshiped he is highly exalted and worshiped why because he did the will of the father and the father will also reward us if we will do his will again matthew 7 verse 21 jesus says not everyone who says to me lord lord shall enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Those who do the will of the Father will enter the kingdom of heaven now. As the Colossians did in Colossians 1.13, they had been delivered out of the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of the Son of His love. We're in His kingdom now who do the will of the Father. And not only that, as we remain faithful in our service to God and as Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, we add to our faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, knowledge self-control and self-control perseverance and so on. If we do these things, we will make our call and election sure, and we will have an entrance into that an abundant entrance into that everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's what the Lord has promised to those who will do the Father's will. In Ephesians chapter 2, he had talked about the past condition of these Ephesian Christians. They were once dead in trespasses and sins, but they were made alive. He says, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We come to Christ and obey the Father's will. We render obedience to His gospel. We're made alive together with Christ. We're made to sit together with Christ in these heavenly places in this spiritual realm. We're now sitting with Christ in fellowship with Christ and with, with His Father. And also, we're joint heirs with Christ. Paul said in Romans 8 and verse 17, and if children, and that's who we are, who come to do the will of the Father... We're children. And being children of the Father, we're heirs. Christ is the Son of God. We are children of God. We're now joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. There's one day that the Lord is going to come and we're going to be caught up together with Him to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Philippians 3 talks about that when we're raised that our body will be transformed and it will be conformed to His body, the likeness of His body. We'll be like Him. First John 3 and verse 2, We shall be like Him, for we shall see Him even as He is. We will be like Him in body, but we'll be like Him in character, pure. And that is the hope of those who do the will of the Father. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 and 6 says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, notice, that He may exalt you in due time. That's the reward to those who will do the will of God of the father what we talked about this this afternoon we talked about that Jesus is our example he's our example in that he came to do the will of the father to what extent did Jesus do the will of the father well he gave his life to fulfill the mission that the father had sent him to accomplish and God highly exalted him And if we will take that example and we'll live that in our lives and that is we do the will of the Father to what degree that we will die for Him and all the lesser things under that for Him. And if we'll have that attitude that Jesus had then God will exalt us. We'll be raised together with Christ. And when we're raised to live with Him for all eternity in heaven we'll have a body like Him we'll be like Him. For we shall see Him even as He is. Do you have that hope this afternoon? You know, the invitation of Jesus is always extended. It's not just after a sermon is preached. And I know you know that. Um, But um, this is the present right now. And it may be there's some here this morning who may have heard something today that has pricked your heart, that has caused you to realize, no, I'm not right with God now's the time since it is the present now's the time to make the decision to come and render obedience to him if you're not a christian we encourage you you can come forward you will be assisted in being baptized into jesus christ for the remission of your sins if you'll have that penitent believing heart if you'll come to christ with that kind of heart and render obedience to him in baptism the Lord will save you as He has promised. And if you'll live for Him, then you'll live with Him for all eternity. If you've become a Christian and you realize you haven't been doing the Father's will, we encourage you to repent, confess your sins, and pray God for forgiveness. If there are any here who are subject to that invitation, please come as we stand and sing.